0: The way that it works is I actually uh, had, back in the 70s, I've been working on this for 40 years, 4-0. I spent 30 years developing a backstory, all the all the depth of it, all the new species. I didn't want to regurgitate what Togan had done. I didn't, have, I don't have any elves, dwarves, any of that. I wanted everything fresh and new. So I built an entire history, 5,000 years of history, over 30 years, and then I outlined five different book series, six books each. So there's 30 books in the, that I have outlined. So, yeah, it's, I mean, who would do that? What's wrong with me?
1: (laughs) You, obviously. Welcome
2: to the Lifelines podcast, brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. I'm Marina Aris. And I'm Diane Fenner. And we're your hosts. This is the podcast for book creators, book lovers, and
3: literary ambassadors. Join us each week as we explore the writing life, the art, and the business of creating great books.
1: All right, we are back at BookCon for our final interview of the day. We are here with author Anthony G. Wedgeworth. He is the author of Fate of Thoric, an Altered Creatures (laughs) epic fantasy adventure series. And, of course, we're here with our lovely Diane, my co-host. And so let's say hello to you. How are you today, Anthony? Tell us about your book and BookCon.
0: I'm doing excellent. in reality, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I've never been to New York and this has been an exciting experience for me. I've uh, done Comic-Cons and stuff in Chicago, Minneapolis, Des Moines, and, and so this entire experience has been something new, a learning experience for me. Um, I actually have 14 published books, all in the same realm and Fate of Thorpe was the very first one I did. Um, they've been doing great in the Midwest, so I'm trying to reach out into the East Coast to try to get the word out about my book series.
1: Where, where are you from? Where, where do you live?
0: Wisconsin. Actually, I live right on the Mississippi River. So, we see deer and, and uh, bald eagles and stuff all the time. Small little town, about five 6,000 people. And and uh, so this is a little bit different. Okay, a little, just a little. Yeah, just a little bit. Not too much. 14 books. Are they all in the, ser- the same series? So the um, the way that it works is I actually uh, had back in the 70s, I've been working on this for 40 years, 4-0. I spent 30 years developing a backstory, all the all the depth of it, all the new species. I didn't want to regurgitate what Togan had done. I didn't, I don't have any elves, dwarves, any of that. I wanted everything fresh and new. So I built an entire history, 5,000 years of history, over 30 years, and then I outlined five different book series, six books each. So there's 30 books in the, that I have outlined. So yeah, it's. I mean, who would do that? What's wrong with me?
1: You obviously, <laughs> and you're awesome for it.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. So, and, um, so, I'm trying to do multiplication in my head. You're 14 uh, down. How many to go?
0: Well, if I got 30, okay, so I got 16 more to go. Now, that's on the main series. There are also some side stories that at some point I'd like to write. There's the Battle of Dragons, the Battle of the Mithundae. There's a bunch of these other side stories that I would love to do, but they're not critical to those first 30 books. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be writing until I'm dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is good. I like it. I like that okay, let, so now we have a bit of the backstory, so to speak.
3: Mm-hmm. But you uh, could tell you could tell us a little bit about these worlds. I don't want you to do any spoilers, but I would love to have you set the scene.
0: Okay, so let's start off with the fact that I used to play Dungeons and Dragons back in the 70s and 80s. I was a DM for over a decade. I loved the world building idea. I used to skip classes in school so I could go down to the to the library and learn from the encyclopedias because I wanted to know more about evolution and how things worked and, uh, and how land masses moved and all of the information so I could build this crazy world. And then I was told by my counselors, you're never going to get a job and pay for yourself doing this, so I gave it up, so to speak, so I can get a real job. And in doing so, I just couldn't get past that passion, so I was always making maps, I was always making notes, and I kept growing this thing, but I wanted it to be different. So, altered creatures is actually a play on words. Even though there are truly some creatures in there, new, everything's unique, reality is is, it's kind of a play on words. We're all, we've are all, we all been altered based on past we've chosen to take in our lives. So this is a character building book series as you read through it you'll find the, it's, it's really about the characters and the relationships they have with each other and it you could take the same characters and put them in the sci-fi or a today's series and it would still make sense because they're real issues about about wondering if you can overcome something challenges you have such as I had dyslexia growing up and then Thor the main character here he has challenges and how is he able to get past those challenges
3: all right hold up you're an author and you've written 14 books yet you have dyslexia i can't let you just fly
0: past that uh, oh okay so actually they didn't know what dyslexia was when i was in school so i had a, i had this huge reading challenge and I, I couldn't get past it and i was told that either you weren't and this seriously i was told either you weren't trying hard enough or you were stupid back in the 70s <laughs> they had so no idea it, i remember this it was crushing it yeah. was crushing guys yeah, yeah. and 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 they said well then you can go to the to the dumb class the special class and yeah. get an easy a Or you can stay in your current class and get and work real hard and get a D. I stayed and I worked and got a D because I refused to give up on myself. And so I pushed through it. By the time I got out of high school, I couldn't even read a a full book.
1: How did your parents deal with it?
0: Well, my mom worked really hard with me, trying to get me to understand it and stuff. And back then they didn't know what dyslexia was. It wasn't until I got tested. Can you stop
1: and explain dyslexia for a moment? Because I I think there are different forms of it too, There's
0: a whole lot of different ranges of dyslexia. So tell us about
1: you, about yours.
0: I look at words and like if I read a paragraph my I'll grab words from later on in the paragraph and slide them in and I'll move them around because what's happening is my eyes aren't in sync with my brain to be able to read it in the line unless I follow it with my finger it'll jump to different words so and also letters in let's say uh, Chev- Chevrolet looks like Corvette to me because it's similar letters it's just in different arrangement so though there's always those it's just changing around numbers trans- in transpose and stuff so when my wife has learned would give me a number never give me more than three numbers at a time because otherwise it's going to be a mess and so those are things that i have never been able to overcome in high school it wasn't until i got out of high school and i started writing that i reprogrammed my brain writing was the best thing i've ever done and it was my mom that pushed me to start writing and i told her i hate writing i hate reading and she forced she said just try it you've got this world start writing about it, even if no one reads it and I said, you know what? I'm gonna try it. So I started writing. And I'll tell you, the first book was terrible. It was, it came back so bloody red from the editors. I, there was more black, I read it than black on it. But you know what? I picked it up and I wrote reread it again. I wrote it again, I wrote it again. 20 times till I got it right. And that process, changed my brain pattern of being able to read properly, and now I'm proficient in reading. I'm a president of a company I've gone through. I'm a, I've am been a vice president of engineering for a major corporation. I now am part owner of a corporation. My wife and I own a comp- are part owners of a company that we take care of people with mental and physical challenges. Um, throughout Wisconsin, we have over 300 people that we take care of, 300 employees. Um, I go to schools all the time to talk to kids about overcoming um, challenges, uh, learning challenges and stuff. This is a dream come true. I went over that hurdle, but I'm telling you, I didn't think I'd make it. I never thought I'd be able to read by the time I got out of high school because I couldn't.
3: I'm kind of curious. Did your mom know something? Did she just have a gut felt sense that if you were uh, putting your own stories into words that that would help you overcome your... Um, obstacles
0: are how did she know that's you know you, I, I don't know how she knew but that's exactly but she, what she did it
1: sounded like you you mentioned that she saw you making maps she, so she must have had some sense she, of what she you were knew
0: trying. that that was my passion and so she took that passion and said hey is there any way that you know once you read some books like that i said i can't read because well then you have all these maps you have all these ideas write them down maybe that will help you know try even if no one reads it just try and you know what I'm addicted. I seriously have an addiction problem. I can't stop writing. If I go a period of time without writing, I get depressed. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's such a, a, an addiction of, of loving to get these stories out of my system. I can't stop. It just—it's so much fun.
1: Tell us about your writing. Tell us about when you write, how much, how long you write, because you're obviously doing a lot.
0: So, like I said, my wife and I run a business, so we work 60, 50 to 60 hours every week. So time to write is pretty minimal. You still want to spend time with the kids and grandkids. We have six grandkids now and you want to spend time with, uh, you know, my wife wants to spend a little time with me. God knows why, (laughs) but you know, and then she wants me to help with the housework for God's sakes. It's crazy. Um, no, she, she, she's my rock. If it weren't for her, I'd never be able to have a chance to do any of this stuff. So, a lot of times, what happens is um, it takes me about a half an hour to an hour to get in the full mode, and I actually visually watch the characters in front of me play out. I'll throw a catalyst at them and watch them do something and see how they react, and I'll type it like I'm watching this movie, and I'll type and I'll try to keep up with them. The characters take over. I'm just enjoying the ride. And so, what happens is, since it takes me so long to get that mode, Saturdays and Sundays I'll get up like 5 o'clock in the morning and I'll go my office and my wife will take care of everything and I'll sit in there for anywhere if it weren't for the fact that she comes in says it's dinner time do you want to eat today I would be in there all day but she usually gives me at least one day every week sometimes two where I can just disappear and make this hang happen it sounds like all of the
3: um, engine is coming from your own set of desires and your own energies, but I'm curious about the reactions that you started getting, your responses, building up a fan base. How did that all come about?
0: You know, I I, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for it. it. It was, it really didn't start clicking until my fourth book. And all of a sudden, coming to Comic Cons and stuff, people were starting to come back. People were getting tattoos of certain, of my characters or my rune stones on their body and sending to, cool. people were uh, bringing... Gifts to me. One guy brought a he brought a leather um, book cover for my book with um, one of the characters. Uh, it was one of the dragons outlined on that he had handmade for me. So cool. It's just amazing. So cool. the, the, and, and I try to make it really interactive. So what I do is is I put these stories out, but I don't want to just keep pushing. As fans ask for stuff, they said, Hey, I want to know about more about this character. I'll write a backstory and send it to them. So that way they get You're to be amazing. part of this process.
1: Wow, you're amazing. Well, let's back up for a moment because I want to know about how you published a book. It's an independently published book. Is it published by you, a hybrid, a small pub? What's the deal?
0: So I had no idea what I was getting into. So I started searching. I found Lulu at first, and I started found out that what you could do is you could put out your uh, push through the Internet. You can upload your art, and you can upload your uh, book. You have to format it yourself, take care of it. And then from there, they're a podcast, and they're, you know, pod, so you can buy one if you want or buy 10. It's There's no really money in it unless you're going to use them for your editing and whatnot. And then I found CreateSpace, and they had a better price break and stuff. And uh, I'm not saying anything bad about Lulu. They've got um, some good systems, but they were having some problems interfacing with Amazon and Kindle at the time, and I couldn't lose that audience. 80, 90% of my sales are in Kindle, so I couldn't lose that. So I went to CreateSpace at the time. Um, I, I'm also working with Ingram since I've you know, been here. This is great. I actually just signed up yesterday. Ingram's Bark. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I signed. I talked to them uh, the other day, so I signed up. I'm ready to work with them, get in all the bookstores and the libraries and stuff. So it's all been self-published.
1: And you're going to be with Dart Frog, right?
0: Yep, absolutely. Because <laughs> that's how you
1: will get onto and the bookstore shelves.
0: Absolutely. So okay. I, that's why I'm, I'm really excited about yep. actually this interview and working with you. The idea of getting it from... The midwest and comic cons which i know i can go and, and sell the heck out of this thing to actually being in bookstores brick and mortar that's something that i haven't been able to tap into that's what you guys are going to help me do that's right so i i'm i'm so pumped to be able to get this out the feedback has been wonderful the reviews have been wonderful i've just been so pleased that everybody's coming along on this journey with me and i'm not doing it by myself and i love to have more people come along with me i don't want to do this by myself it's too fun Let's let's share the enjoyment out of it.
3: When was the last time you played Dungeons & Dragons? A minute ago, I remember you said, well, at one time I did. Is it stopped?
0: You know, um... Grandkids, maybe? (laughs) You know, it's funny because now my kids... Are actually playing yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. They're playing Pathfinder, and uh, so I still have all my books and I still have all my dice and figurines From and all From when this. you were a kid. Yep, I, the, pristine condition, I imagine. They are. They're, <laughs> they're in a tote and all packed right and stuff. Right. Um, but I, I still, I actually um, started playing again this past year um, because there's a group that wants to make a Dungeons and Dragon type book um, um, a game system out of my world. So oh, there's a company that, so that cool. want. They're going to go to Gen Con and they're going to actually, they want to present a new game system based on my world at Gen Con this year, which is the largest gaming convention in the United States.
1: Wait, so it can also be uh, an animated game, right? Absolutely. Wow. So there's a
0: lot of avenues this can go down, and I'm, I'm... So excited when other people are writing about it and being part of it. I'm not going to try to hold on to this thing and say, it's mine, it's mine. I want it to flourish. I want it to grow organically for other people to enjoy it. Write their side stories on their own. Let's have fun with this thing. Sure. Because at the end of the year, my wife and I have been donating all the profits to charity. So whatever we make, we give to, a couple years ago, we did to Wounded Warriors. Before that, it was a a Dyslexia Institute. Um, Last year, it was Crohn's. My daughter has Crohn's. So it's fun to do this and then at the end of the year be able to hand off whatever the profits are and feel that you're doing something good for the world.
3: I wish people could actually see your face. It's like beams of light coming out of you. Um, how do you feel uh, about the um, state of things now? What's coming next?
0: Okay, so the Fate of Thor series is now done. All six of those books are gone. And then I wrote a, a younger, this is a young adult and older, Now I I just finished a second series, and that second series was Numbs of Shoreview, and that's more of like a goosebumps level. Um, Say it one more
1: time.
0: Goosebumps. No. Uh, Numbs of Shoreview.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. N U M. So numb. That's one of the one of the creatures. Okay. One of the uh, species. And so what um, is interesting about that is that's more like a nine to twelve year olds. It's larger font, has some illustrations and stuff. But again, that interfaces with all of the other book series. So by the time they're done reading that and they pick up Fate of Thor, and now you got this big novel in front of them, they open it up because it's intimidating for some kids to read a book like that. I know. I was there. And so I wanted it to be an easy read and fun read. They pick it up. And the first page, they say, oh, I know that character. Oh, I know that city. And they're already invested in It's not as intimidating anymore. So now that series done. And now I have two new series that I just started, one book each so far. One is a female, strong female protagonist. She is, just, that's my favorite book. She just, what's wrote, her name? Her, her name is Tilly, T I L L I. And she, it, it is just, think of it almost like a, um, um, a, a story of somebody climbing the social ladder. But for this, it's more of a social ladder in the um, wizardry way, okay? She's trying to climb up, she's trying to be an apprentice, she's trying to grow from that standpoint. So the challenges for a female growing in a, you know, in a corporate ladder. So you could change the story to modern day and it's the same story basically. Um, the other one is Santori. He's got his first book out and he is more like Wolverine from X-Men. Much more aggressive, much more uh, more, more battle scenes. So, so there's two more series that have just started. I've got one book of each. There's six total for each that's outlined.
3: It does sort of seem to me that there's some element to it that appeals particularly to kids who wouldn't otherwise jump into social activities and somehow it turns them on it makes it possible for them to run around and have fun in a way that they used to hold back have you ever noticed that does that bring any truth with you
0: yeah so when I talk to schools and the yeah. kids that's what the kids are telling me because a lot of this is about overcoming challenges how do I get past being an introvert? how do I get past um, yeah. uh, beating myself up on things how do I get past the embarrassment I had psoriasis, I still have psoriasis. Part of my life when my kids were young, they'd go into the pool and my psoriasis so bad, I'd have full jeans on and shirts. But if I went in the pool with them, there were other parents that would take their kids out of the pool because they didn't know what these big patches of red were all over my body, and it was it, it was hurtful to me. I was embarrassed. So it's those type of challenges. How do you get past those things? And so these are real stories about real human issues and relationship issues, and how do you get how how do you manage them? And there's no Disney happy ending, but I'm telling you, it makes you grow as a person reading these and and just watching how these characters grow. That is.
1: I'm, I'm in awe of you right now. This is just wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Tell us a little bit about your process. Obviously you've been working on it for a very long time. You have a good idea about the worlds that you've built. Do you hit any challenges in your writing? What are they like?
0: So obviously one of the challenges I have is, is um, spelling and stuff still. So what I do is, is I have to turn one brain, one side of the brain off You know, so I can only write. If I try to edit at the same time, it's, it's a disaster. And I recommend that to any writer. Just let it flow. Let it just get out of your system. You can always go back afterwards and edit. So one of my biggest challenges, though, sometimes people say, like, writer's block. I never have writer's block. And I'll tell you why. Because not only do I know where all these stories are going, but I always have three books in the work. So if if I'm not feeling creative to write, I can go into the other books and edit. And if I don't feel like that, I have another one that I'm doing marketing on. So there's always some part of my brain that I can check and it says, okay, this isn't working today. I'm just not in the mode, so I move over to another project. And I, but I'm always working on one of those three, and that way I'd never get stopped and sit there and stare at the screen.
3: That is wonderful. That's the first time I've ever heard that answer, and we've asked a lot of people about how they deal with writer's block. That's amazing. Okay, well,
1: now, here's is the last question we ask all, our, all of our our. I guess this has to be the last interview for <laughs> today because I can't even form a word.
3: Oh, jeez.
1: Okay, let me try this again. You're in one of these convention halls. You're in front of a room full of first-time authors who want to world-build the way you have. What is your advice for them?
0: So my first advice to them is know what your world looks like. Don't just start just trying to write something and go back and try to build it afterwards. I'm not saying you have to spend 30 years like I did. Nobody does that. I mean, except for me. Why would you do that? But do spend, spend the quality time. Take six months. Take a year and really focus on what your world is and then set it aside. And then focus on the characters and make sure that you... Um, you thread in the pieces of the background without having, one of the biggest problems I see with new authors is they want to just dump, data dump on their readers. And so either the first chapter or the second chapter, you'll just get a data dump of here's the world and this is how it works and this is that, and you bore the reader and you lose them. You gotta thread it in and just even in sentences and um, that Dork walked in and, and you know, described the, the doorway or something, and it's just little pieces in that, that they start understanding, oh my God, there's depth to this world. So take the time. Do some research. People say, well, that's fantasy adventure. You don't have to research. Do your research. Understand what you're talking about. People will call you on it if you say that something fell and it didn't fall where physics would make it fall, okay, unless you can explain it magically. The other key thing is you can tell readers at the beginning of your fantasy anything you want, and they'll believe you, but then you're locked in. Do not change your physics and the way that things work after you've told them once how it does because then you'll lose them. Right.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you for that. The final thing we'd like to let our listeners know is where to find you, all about your books, and what's up next.
0: Okay. So my books, I have a website, www.alteredcreatures.com. So again, we've all been altered by the path we've chosen to take. And then on there, you go to books, uh, the books tab, and then it lists every book. And then you can choose Audible, you can choose uh, Kindle, Nook. Kobo, wherever you have iTunes, wherever you want, it's on every platform. So I they um, they've actually recorded all the books so far. Place out in Spokane, uh, Books in Motion. They did a wonderful job. Same guy recorded every single book. So he, I worked with him on the voices and and the and how each one works. So I've been really interactive with these guys. So they're available out there. Go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You said Noble,
1: Books in Motion. Books in Motion. For they're,
0: anyone who needs an Audible version. Or
1: go to Audible. Oh yeah.
0: Yep. But Books in Motion is the company that actually did all the recording. Great. So, yeah, so the next step is for me to really work hard on getting the Santori series done and the Tilly, and I'm trying to get at least one book of each out each year.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of BookCon, and we'll be following you. Perfect.
2: That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you like today's episode, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep bringing you great content. For show notes, upcoming events, and to participate in the Brooklyn Writers Project community, head on over to our website at www.brooklynwritersproject.com. Questions or comments? Send them to contact at lifelinespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lifelines, the books podcast has been brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. Music for this podcast has been provided by Anthony Nuda of Noble Sense Productions.